Pastor Xavier Reese with The Simple Truth. Some of you perhaps have been in Christ two, three, four, five, ten years, and you're in the same state as when you were born again. It's a choice, people. See, salvation is just the beginning. When you go to the hospital, you have the baby. That's a great day. But it's only the beginning. The real work is yet to come. You see, the nature of spiritual faith is to grow, develop, and mature. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, it's great to have you back in the studio to introduce our next series. Having completed 1 Thessalonians, we're ready to begin Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. The epistle of 2 Thessalonians is quite different from the first. The importance is this. 1 Thessalonians gives us the account of the Lord Jesus Christ coming for his church, the major text in chapter 4, verse 13 on to 18. Second Thessalonians deals with the Lord coming back with his church to set up the kingdom. And that's the basic difference between the two epistles. Paul the Apostle encourages the Thessalonians in chapter 1 in view of their suffering. Then he answers some questions about some letters they had received or prophecy that the day of the Lord had already started the tribulation period. And he rebukes them for it because he says, I told you when I was with you. And he gives them a key sign if in fact the tribulation had happened. And that would have been the Antichrist going into the temple and declaring himself God. A passage that we find nowhere else and it's a very important passage. And yet in chapter 3, he encourages the body in a very practical way because many were being disorderly, not working, and he rebukes them and tells them to conduct themselves in such a manner as was befitting the saint. And so, Second Thessalonians is great from our perspective of the church to know that we are coming back with the Lord to set up the kingdom and that God has not appointed us to wrath but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that the studies will encourage you and instruct you between the difference. And if you can, remember, write to us. Send us an email. We want to hear from you because that's the only way we can know if God is using the program. So why not take a moment today and jot down a word or two about how our radio ministry has been ministering to you. Our email address set up for just that purpose is simpletruths at ccpas.com That's simpletruths at ccpas.com or send your comments in the form of a letter to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. I'll be repeating those at the close of the program, as well as letting you know how to get a copy of today's message. But for now, it's time to get our study underway. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. The message is entitled, Always Faithful. Semper Fi. You're a Marine, you know what that means. You know that Semper Fi goes for every little organization. If you're a policeman, you stick together. If you're a fireman, you stick together. If you're a Marine, you stick together. But, apart from Christ, the only one that you're always faithful to is the last letter of Fi, I. When push comes to shove, you are number one. Only in Christ can you deny yourself. And put others before you. And when we do deny ourselves in those organizations, it's a, it's a submission and it's a denial of pride. 
That's not the way the Christian denies himself out of pride. He denies himself out of love. And there's a difference. Paul begins his letter by a prayer of thanksgiving for the incredible Christian witness the Thessalonian church had exhibited from the very beginning. But not a mere witness of Christ, but unto Christ. Oswald Chambers in his devotional, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, on February 4th, it's on 2 Corinthians 5.14 where it says, For the love of Christ constrains me. I want you to listen to his words. Paul says, He is overruled, overmastered, held as in a vice by the love of Christ. Very few of us know what it means to be held in a grip by the love of God. We are held by the constraint of our experience only. When we are born again of the Spirit of God, the note of testimony is on what God has done for us. And rightly so. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit obliterates that forever. And we begin to realize what Christ meant when he said, You shall be witnesses unto me. Not witnesses unto what Jesus can do. That is an elementary witness. But witnesses unto me. We will take everything that happens as happening to him, Jesus, whether it be praise or blame, persecution or commendation. That is good. Much of this is lost in today's church. We have lost the art of adoration and we're caught up with the art of celebration. We have lost focus of our Lord and Savior and we are looking to ourselves so often. Such was not the witness of Thessalonians, for which Paul was in awe of. Notice Paul begins with thanksgiving for their faithful witness through persecution, and then he moves on to encourage them by reminding them that of God's judgment of the evil men who persecuted them, and also the ungodly. And he makes one long sentence from verse 3, All the way down to verse 10, as Paul's customary long sentences are. Now, the thanksgiving is found in verses 3 through 5. The encouragement regarding that judgment to come is in verses 6 through 10. And then he finishes the chapter by praying that they continue being witnesses unto him in verse 11 and 12. Now, what we want to do this morning with that overview is to look at Paul's thanksgiving prayer, which expresses three things. Let me read verses 3 through 5. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and in all your persecution and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evident of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Here are the three things that Paul's thanksgiving prayer expresses. First, Paul's admiration of the Thessalonians in verse 3. His admiration. Secondly, Paul's commendation of the Thessalonians in verse 4. And then thirdly, Paul's declaration to the Thessalonians in verse 5. First, Paul thanks God for their salvation. This is the divine side. You always must begin with God. First, he acknowledges his thanks as a debt to God. Mark that well. The inclination of thanks was not of his good heart. 
or the kindness of his mind, but as an understanding of the debt to God. The personal pronoun we is used throughout. It includes Sylvanus and Timothy. The word bound has the idea of owning. The word was used of paying a debt and obligation. So Paul sees himself as a debtor to give thanks to God. But notice also Paul knew that it was God alone who saved the Thessalonians, not his own preaching or the knowledge he possessed. It's so easy to lose sight and God starts using you and we start thinking, well, I'm getting along. <laughs> it's God. He told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 or 7, some plants, some water, but God gives the increase. Listen, when you're hot and you drink that cold glass of water, how many of you have ever thanked the glass? Glass didn't cool your thirst. It's the water. The same with God. In chapter 2, verse 13, this word is, uh, of being bound or owing God thanks appears twice again. Exactly in the same context here in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. It's an obligation of debt. But notice also he acknowledges their thanks as the proper thing to do. Paul was addressing those who had been born into the family of God. The word brethren is used. The term is found nine times in this letter. We found it 19 times in the first epistle. They were in the family of God. Paul understands that it was deserving. For the word fitting means suitable, appropriate, right. The proper understanding and relationship between a person's change of life is due to God's intervention into their life. Without God, you will never change. You can go to church, you can carry a Bible, you can say you're a Christian, your life will never change unless you're born again. Remember, because the rats in the cookie jar doesn't make him a cookie. He may have some chocolate chips in his mouth, but he's not a cookie. He's still a rat. The same word but in a different form, it's translated worthy in chapter 1, verse 11, where he says, Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy. Same word, in different form. You see, God alone is worthy to receive all the glory and honor. Paul the Apostle goes into a great crescendo at the end of Romans in chapter 11, verse 32 to 36. All the wealth and the riches and the knowledge of God beyond our finding now, and he goes on unto him, is all the glory that praise him. What? Salvation. Notice the qualifying adjective eliminates any exception. Little word, always. It has the idea of all times, whenever they pray. Notice secondly, still in verse 3 there, that Paul thanked God for their growth. This is the human side. Okay? You have the divine side, you have the human side. You find this marriage throughout the scriptures. Listen, we're saved by grace. And a lot of hard work by the grace of God. We're not saved by works, by hard work and grace. We're saved by the grace of God, which enables us to work hard as disciplined disciples. You understand the difference? Okay. Notice first he says, he declares their personal faith was growing exceedingly. The present tense indicates an ongoing process. Ongoing. Too many Christians 
are spiritually retarded. Politically correct, spiritually challenged. Some of you perhaps have been in Christ two, three, four, five, ten years, and you're in the same state as when you were born again. Now, when we see a person, a child who is retarded or, or has some kind of disability, it saddens our heart. Why is our heart not so broken and saddened when we see so many willfully retarded Christians by refusing to grow spiritually? It's a choice, people. The word for faith is used of God, Christ, and spiritual things. It speaks of their belief and trust depending on God beyond salvation to every area of life. See, salvation is just the beginning. When you go to the hospital, you have the baby. That's a great day. But it's only the beginning. The real work is yet to come. It is related to what God has revealed in the scriptures. Biblical faith, not religious faith that is based on blind hope. Often people say, I have faith. What's your faith based on? Devils believe, but at least they tremble. And there will never be one devil in heaven. If your faith is not based on God's revelation, His word, your faith is absolutely worthless. Your faith must be based on what God has revealed about Himself. About man, about sin, about Satan. For it to be honored by God. Their faith was growing, in fact, He says, exceedingly. And the word exceedingly means beyond measure, vigorous. You see, the nature of spiritual faith is to grow, develop, and mature. When you bring your child home, the first thing you do is make sure all the ten toes are there and all the rest of the equipment. And then you watch your child and you make sure that they're growing, that they're developing in proportion. One arm isn't a little shorter than the other. And that they're maturing according to age. Those three things, must, as a parent, you're always looking for. As a Christian, you must do the same thing. You must be growing along with the time in Christ. You must be developing in the areas of Christ. And you must be acting mature for those days of growth and development. No different. Remember that Paul has sent Timothy to know their condition of their faith. He's been praying for them exceedingly. That he might return and perfect that which was lacking in their faith in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 5 and 10. He couldn't go back. Finally, he sends Timothy back. He's a spiritual father concerned for his children who are under persecution. Now Paul, in admiration, says they had moved beyond their initial witness that he gave in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 10. They had turned from idols to serve the living God, waiting for Christ to return from heaven. But they weren't complacent. They didn't just settle there. They moved on. Some of you have become complacent in your spiritual relationship with Christ. And you've got it on Mexican overdrive. Neutral. <laughs> Cruise control. You need to move on. Notice he declares their personal yielding and their love for each other had abounded towards each other. It was very evident. They were yielding to God's agape love that went beyond feelings, emotion, and listen, physical appearance. That's how we were directed in the world. The love that is based on sexual gratification, eros, is short-lived, self-centered, and in and of itself. The love that is based on emotions, phileo, is easily manipulated and abused. The love of God, agape, is selfless, sufficient, and sacrificial. 
for every situation of life. And it will blossom the other two. If I will yield to it. If I don't, I'll be just like non-believers. Carnal. 100% beef. You remember Paul had prayed for them to grow and to abound in their love. Not only for the believer, but for the non-believer in 1 Thessalonians 2.12. They were Paul's answer to prayer. Paul had been praying for this. It came true. The same word abound is used there in 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Same word. You see, Paul knew the nature of the old man. And he didn't want them to become complacent. So he exhorted them in his first letter about growing in their love. And he gives them an entire little section of chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Grow more and more. Whenever you get to the place of Christian where you think that you've grown enough in whatever area, you're in trouble. Paul says, I have not yet obtained. I press towards the mark. I put my hand that I may lay hold on that for which I was apprehended for. The high call of God. I got some new goals I've been looking at for the next 10 years. I don't have much time. And I mean that seriously. My father died at 71. The average life of men is 70s. Ladies, God is merciful to you. He takes us home first and allows you to enjoy life for 10 or 15 years without us. <laughs> so... I want to look very clearly, very sharply on what my goals are. When I got saved, I looked at my life in three, in three parts. First 20 I threw away. The next 20 God was going to prepare me as he taught me, as I raised a family. And then the last 20, he will use me in a greater measure. I'm in the last 20. I want to make them count. What a build before God is faith. Working through love, Galatians 5, 6 says, Agape love is to be the distinctive model of the Christian and the church. John 13, 35 and 1 John 4, 17 and 19. Agape love. Let me read you a letter of a person who came to this body years ago. She wrote me. Looking back at 1991, I give thanks to God for what he has perfected in my life. He hasn't chosen to heal me. But his refining process, I am certain, will bring forth what he wants in my life. As my unsaved sister observes the love towards me from the body, as her unsaved daughter and son-in-law watches and listens to Claudia's accounting of my condition and how I handle it, I am confident God will use this in his determined way. The cancer on the kidney has shown no improvement, while the cancer on the left lung is gone. I have elected to take no further chemo. Since October 3rd, I have slowly gone downhill as far as my energy and side effects are concerned. I have presented my body as a living sacrifice, as my reasonable service to an all-caring God. What do I have to fear? I share this with you so that you know that the power of God still works today. It's so abstract for us to take illustrations from the past, these mighty saints. Listen, the power of God is still here today. If you will yield. Any admiration of man without recognition of God as a source is idolatry instead of being the worship of God. Oh, we got to be so careful. Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes 
before the men at Lystra in Acts 14.15 because they wanted to worship him as Hermes and Zeus. He says, why are you doing this? We are men of the same kind of nature as you are. Oh, pastors and leaders are in such a danger when they allow the people to exalt them and they buy into it. Paul told the Corinthians, who then is Paul? Who's Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. You see, any thanksgiving to God for personal growth does not ignore the personal diligence. Remember, divine sight, human sight. We are to be diligent to show ourselves approved to God, not being ashamed. Timothy 2.15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to know that apart from him we can do nothing in John 15.5. We are to know that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but also to know that it's he who works both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.12 and 13. We are to be exercised in personal diligence to deny self, the old man who has been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you understand the combination? Grace and a lot of hard work, but I'm not saved by the works. Each of us are to cultivate our faith through study, meditation, prayer, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're not to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. So we got to study. Good Bereans. We're to grow in the full stature of the fullness of Christ, Ephesians 4, 13. Are you as old mature-wise and development-wise and growth-wise as the years in Christ? Only you can answer that. We need to move on. We are to be continually filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5.18 says. Because there's no other way to be empowered to do what we're required to do. We are to pray without ceasing, he told us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. We are to be diligent to add to our faith, 2 Peter 1.5. Virtue, patience, knowledge. We're to grow in the grace of God after the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18 says. It's a life of progress. Ongoing. This was Paul's admiration of the Thessalonians. Can't wait to see the Thessalonians talk to him in heaven. <laughs> Notice, secondly, Paul's commendation of the Thessalonians is in verse 4. Notice, first, Paul uses the Thessalonian church as an example to the other churches of God. This is incredible. The word boast means to glory, to boast about. It's one of his favorite words. And it's always glorying in God. The boasting was for the purpose of encouraging believers to trust in what God can do. When you boast in God, it's only for the benefit of others. The sharing and boasting regarding anything to another is never to be for the sake of provoking them to jealousy or envy. But the hope and faith in God. But if you're boasting in God for the purpose of helping them grow and to move on and to encourage them, then that is true glory in God. Paul was very aware that if there was going to be any boasting, it would be proper only if it was boasting and glorying in God. Listen to him in 1 Corinthians 29 through 31. That no flesh is glory in his presence, but of him... You are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And you know what the scenario there is. They were boasting in their own knowledge, their own wisdom. Paul says, listen, I boast in the power of God and in the gospel of God. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us when it comes to the glory of God, there's plenty to talk about, even boast about in the great things He has done. Now, today's message, Always Faithful, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include Pastor Xavier's conclusion of the study plan for next time as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Always Faithful, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address also for sharing with Pastor Xavier your comments about our program. Or shoot us an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. And please be sure to include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence, however you get in touch. How do we face the trials of life? Pastor Xavier Reese with the Simple Truths next time. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com